Welcome back to Just Fantasy Baseball, the number one site to get your fantasy baseball news. Today we're going to be breaking down the second base fantasy baseball rankings. I'm your host, Colby Olson, joined by my co-host, Clay Snowden, who has Michigan State stuff in his background, but is wearing a Kentucky sweater. And it's just, I mean, maybe he's just a fan of blue blood college program, college basketball programs. Maybe he's just confused. I don't know what it is, but Clay, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. A Michigan State fan and a proud graduate of the University of Kentucky. That That's the explanation. Would not consider myself a Kentucky fan, though, as this is the only piece of article or the only clothing article that I own from UK. All right, there you go. Fair enough. We'll take that explanation all day long. All right, let's just get right into it. Let's break down what we're going to be talking about today. Top 10 second base rankings for fantasy baseball season. This position is, I mean, I'm going to compare it to tight end in fantasy football. I mean, it is a really sparse position um, for top tier talent. And even for depth, it gets thin really, really fast at second base. Um, There's nobody ranked inside the top 30 in uh, of all of the rankings. So there's not really that much top-tier talent here, but let's just get right into it. Let's start with Marcus Simeon, who comes in at number one. And if you had told me that Marcus Simeon would have been number one ranked at second base on May 1st of last year, I would have told you you were out of your mind. Or maybe I would just assume that he bounced back, which he did. So to break down Marcus Simeon's season last year, from opening day to June 1st, he had a 55 WRC plus, a 199 average, one home run, and 28.8 hard hit rate. I mean, it it was, I mean, it was like Marcus Simeon had a body double out there. I don't know what it was, but it looked like a completely different player. Then on June 1st till the end of the season, 25 home runs, 19 stolen bases, a 268 average, the power returned with a 37.7 hard hit rate, which was about where his career norm was. So the guy that was hitting 40 home runs and close to winning MVPs actually kind of returned in the second half, and he finished as a great fantasy option, and now he's going ADP 36. Claire, are you buying what Marcus Simeon is selling coming into this year? I am, and just to give you an idea of how bad his first half was, somebody in my 10-man league actually just dropped him. Like That's how frustrating of a first half he had. And he started to look great after that. And I was I was actually on not gambling advice, which we were talking about fantasy baseball last season, and I was bringing up the question: Do you drop him? I mean, he was really that bad. Yeah, and I do think that he'll be closer to his second half numbers. He's been a really good player, and he had a strange career trajectory from where he kind of started, then up and down, one year deals, finally got that long term deal. Maybe he just needed some time to settle in. I thought that he looked great in the second half. I'm buying him. Um, I'm I'm a little hesitant, a little hesitant. Like I'm not a hundred percent confident, but I, I'm still in on him for this year. Yeah, I mean we can break into the second guy here because it's Jose Altuve. But 
I'm buying either Marcus Simeon or Jose Altuve, and then I'm not going to be buying any of these second basemen for a while after those two because Marcus Simeon is going to be in an amazing Rangers lineup. I'm, I'm expecting Corey Seager to have a huge bounce back here, um, but he's surrounded by so much other talent there in Texas that I expect the run RBI production to be amazing. The power returned. You can't get stolen base numbers like that with the power numbers that Marcus Simeon is producing at ADP 36. I mean, that uh, so solid. I'm locked in on Marcus Simeon, but Jose Altuve is another guy where I'm in the same boat. He had what was sort of a career year in 2022. I mean, he had a 164 WRC plus, which was a career high. He had 28 home runs, 18 stolen bases, and he hit 300, which he had not done since 2018. I've never been disappointed when I've drafted Jose Altuve. The guy produces year in, year out, and he's also not going as like a top 10 pick. I mean, I can't complain about taking Jose Altuve in the third or fourth round. He's the king of pulling fly balls, right? If you go and look at his hard hit rate, it's 27%. The guy does not hit the ball hard, but what he does do is he pulls fly balls you have a better chance of hitting a home run that way. I don't expect the power numbers to de- decrease at all. What I am a little nervous about is in 2019, he had six stolen bases in 124 games. Then in 2021, he had five stolen bases in 146 games. And we were like, okay, well, you know, Jose Altuve is aging. He's past 30. He's going to be 33 this year. You know, maybe the stolen base numbers are gone. He's still super valuable with the average he provides, the home run, the run production he provides. But then he had 18 stolen bases last year, Clay. Do you buy Jose Altuve, you know, stealing 15 to 18 bags again, or is he going to regress back to the five, six stolen bases that he stole in 2019 and 2021? Is that more indicative of where his career is going? Because I don't know what to expect. I genuinely don't. I don't think that he'll be near that 18 number again. Um, there's been some changes with the Astros. I just wonder if they're not going to run him as much as they did to get to 18 stolen bases. But like you said, career high in WRC plus um, a walk rate. That was also a career high. You know, he's seen the ball. Well, he's going to be 33 years old this season, but I still think that there's plenty left in the tank. There's nothing to show us that there's not. And he's been relatively healthy. He he hasn't played you know, 162 games, but it's there's no injury concern, like true injury concern. Like, I'm in on him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the one thing going for him here is that the bases are, are going to be bigger this season. Um, the pickoff rule is going to be different. So, you know, I think there is a case that... He, to be made that he could continue those stolen base numbers, regardless if he steals 10 bags, hits 30 home runs, hits near 300 with all the run production. Uh, you're locked in with him at ADP 39. I'm fine taking either Marcus Simeon or Jose Altuve at their current draft positions because second base gets thin quick. And the options after these guys is somewhat brutal. Like let's move to number three, because this is a guy that he's been taken so ridiculously high jazz Chisholm jr who is now not even a second baseman he's going to be second base eligible this season but he's going to be playing center field this year his adp has been going up and up and up i mean adp a month ago was around 50 52 now he's creeping up he was taken adp 36 in a draft that did recently um the upside is there the upside really is there i mean for Jazz Chisholm Jr., the upside is a top 20 fantasy baseball player, right? He had 14 home runs, 12 stolen bases, 39 runs, and 45 RBIs 
in just 60 games last year. I mean, you extrapolate that to a 162, even a 150. You're talking about a 35-35 guy with over 100 runs and 100 RBIs. I don't even care what the average is because that's the only thing that's really holding him back from being a top 10, a top 20 fantasy baseball player because he's not going to hit 300. He's striking out 27, 28% of the time. But my question to you is, at ADP 40, can you, like, I feel like you're buying Jazz Chisholm's yeah. breakout already at that price. Yeah, and Jazz is a fun player to watch, and transitioning to center field will help his positional flexibility, especially if you're in a league that has not only outfield, but like specific, you know, left field, center field, right field. The thing with Jazz is he's changing positions, which is going to take a lot of focus and a lot of time this offseason. Now, he's talented enough to overcome that. But I, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he could slump at the plate a little bit if he's been putting a ton of focus into moving to center field. Freak athlete, going to help you in the steals department for sure. The K rate's a bit high, but so is the power. I am not in a rush to draft him that high, though. That is scary to me. That just seems like a bit high for a player that I think is trending in the right direction in terms of his career. And I think the numbers look good, and I think he is a great player. I just feel like he's going to get drafted higher and higher and higher. More people are kind of buying into Jazz. And we we all know how fun of a player he is. Who doesn't want a fun player on their team? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm fully bought in on Jazz at the plate. I mean, this guy is a freak athlete. Yeah. He is. He hits the absolute piss out of the ball a 45.7 percent hard hit rate he hits everything in the air he had a ridiculous 16.6 percent barrel rate last year i mean hit the ball in the air hit the ball hard play with you know swagger with speed he does it all but it, it is switching to center field is going to put more strain on his body this is a guy that we have never seen complete a full season he's been banged up his entire career so yeah that is worrisome to me and you know, taking him in the first five picks of your draft, I think is a big, big risk. Maybe it could have some big reward, but I think the the upside's kind of tapped out at that price. I agree, Clay. So let's move on to number five because we're going in the complete opposite direction from upside. Ozzie Albies comes in at number four. And Ozzie Albies was a guy that was being taken, you know, top 20 last year, top 20 the year before that. And he he's coming off of a broken foot last year. Um, he had a before the broken foot, he had a 26.6 hard hit rate. I mean, he was slumping at the plate. It wasn't pretty. This is a guy that, you know, Ozzy Albies has always struggled from the left side of the plate as a switch hitter, which is bizarre because you're going to be hitting from the left side more than you're going to be hitting from the right side. Um, the other thing for Ozzy Albies, right? The power dipped last year which was always one thing that was keeping his value afloat, but he only stole three bags in 60 games before his injury too, which is the other part of his value, right? When he was a 25, 25 guy, he had insane value, but now coming off of a broken foot, I I'm going to expect that the Braves are going to move him back pretty slow in the steel department. And I do not trust the power coming back. He's a huge stay away from me at 80, ADP 50 or even at all. I'm just not even going to be drafting Ozzy Albies anywhere. Yeah, and I agree with that too. There's just too many unknowns here, too many up in the airs, and I really don't think he was that fantastic of a player to, when he was healthy. I mean, he like like you said, 
the power carried a lot. And the fact that he could steal 20 bags carried a lot. Who knows if that speed and ability to, to steal bags is going to come back or not. There's just so much of what could happen. And even the 100% outcome best case scenario is not the most fantastic second baseman on the fantasy market. I mean, it might be. I mean, really, like we're talking about, I mean, he still is 26 years old. In his tw- age 24 season, Clay, 30 home runs, 103 runs, 106 RBIs, 20 stolen bases with a 260 average. I mean, that would have finished as a you know likely top 10, top 15 fantasy player, but I'm just buying that he's not going to return to that form again. Yeah, and I'd rather have Marcus Simeon than him. I'd rather have um, Jose Altuve as well. I think both of them will perform better and um, pay up, pay yeah. up fifteen places to get your Altuve, get your Simeon over waiting for Ozzy Albies. A hundred percent. That's that's where I'm at. I think you're at there too. All right, let's move on to number five. Tommy Edmond comes in at number five after two really, I mean, two really, really great seasons. Um, in 2021, he hit 11 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and 91 runs. That's what you're getting from Tommy Edmund. You're getting a little sprinkle of power, and you're getting runs and stolen bases. Then last year, 13 home runs, 95 runs, and 32 stolen bases, right? Very, very consistent year over year. And I'm not really expecting that to change going into this next year. But my only concern is that Tommy Edmund was being drafted later than this last year. And I was a guy that was on Tommy Edmund last year because you can't get steel production like that. You can't really get 15 home run, 13 home run power with steel production like that um, later in a draft. But at ADP 75, it just seems kind of high for Tommy Edmund. But I still think he's a good backup plan if you need steals. Like you just kind of disregarded steals for the first five rounds. And now you're in round, you know, six, seven, eight, and you need steals. I think Tommy Edmond is a fine player and he's also going to have multi-positional eligibility. Yeah, that's the big thing. I think after his hot start last year, a lot of people were on him in the fantasy world thinking maybe he could continue this and he did dip a little bit afterwards and he's not going to bring much power, but like you said, it's steals that, that you're chasing there and the Cardinals lineup is getting more and more crowded and I think he's still going to get every day at bats. Don't get me wrong, but um, it is possible that if he isn't playing well, that he could lose at bats quicker and be more of a utility role. I don't see that happening, but it's a lot more possible than other clubs. He He's not going to lose at bats because he has one of the best gloves in all of the majors, right? They're going to keep him at shortstop. The one concern I do have, though, is that he hit leadoff a lot last year. Yeah, But if his bat's slumping, he was hitting ninth at times. If he's hitting ninth every day, that's really going to cap his run production, his stolen base production even. So that's a big concern for me is, is if Tommy Edmond doesn't have the offensive production, or maybe even if he just keeps the same offensive production, maybe somebody else comes along and take and bumps his spot, right? Jordan Walker might be coming up this year. Maybe yeah. we see Nolan Gorman take a step forward. There's a lot of young players. You know, Lars Newtbar is another one. There's a lot of young upside bats in this Cardinals system that could bump Tommy Edmond down the order. That's probably my only concern. Um, it's a guy that I'm fine taking, but it's got not a guy that I'm like, I need him at that price. Right, right. 
And that's just how I think I am for a lot of these second basemen. <laughs> I mean, it's like copy and paste for a lot of these guys. Yeah. It really is. I mean, we're we'll get to some upside guys later on this list, but number six is a guy too. Andres Jimenez, who in his age, what was he last year? 23 years 23. old. He's only 24 years old. It feels like he's been in the league longer because, you know, he's been bouncing around in trades for a long time. He's been in the major since a 21-year-old with the Mets, but now he's with the Cleveland Guardians, and he had a really, really fantastic year last year. 297 average, 17 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and made an all-star team as a 23-year-old. That's pretty impressive stuff, but... This this profile has um, regression written all over it, all over it. His Woba last season, 364. His ex-Woba was 326. If you you know get into the weeds a little bit more, his 297 average looked amazing on the surface, but his ex- expected batting average was 257. His slugging percentage last year, 466, but his expected slugging percentage was 400, backed up by a, you know, an av- a league average 37.6% hard hit rate. Could he take a step forward as a 24-year-old? Maybe. But really, the data is pointing to him having a regression of these numbers. And I think people are expecting him to put up numbers to what he did last year when he could regress and still put up fine numbers. But ADP 85 for that? I don't... You're Again, you're drafting... The, none of the upside is there at ADP 85 for Andres Jimenez. Yeah, and this is a position where a lot of people would pretty much do exactly what you you said. They'll see the numbers and say, maybe he can take a, another leap, another movement forward and improve. But I feel the same way that you do. Like I'm looking at the advanced metrics here and saying, there's no way he's batting 297 next year. There's just absolutely no way. Previously, 2021, he was up and down throughout the majors because he couldn't really stick. He was batting 218 with a 282 OBP. Like this was a breakout for him, yes. But I don't think that this is the norm going forward. And drafting him that high is just, it sounds a little bit crazy to me because he's not, I don't think he's going to bring like some huge upside in power. Like he'll hit a decent amount of home he's runs. He's not going to hit like, 20 home him. runs again. I mean, I'll bet on that. The power yeah, numbers I, were way over what was expected of him last year. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, again, I'd rather wait if, I think if your team is weak at second base, but strong everywhere else, like your fantasy team, I think you're doing okay. Like that's a position that the offensive numbers are not always the best. Like if I'm not getting one of those top two guys that we talked about, I'm totally fine with kind of playing the waiver wire game throughout the season and going that route or taking a guy with more upside. Yeah, I mean, so the next guy on this list is a guy that I will be targeting because the ADP is pretty good. It's a guy I can rely on. But Andres Jimenez, just to finish off the point, I mean, I just feel like everyone sees the the big flashy 297 average and a 2020 season and goes, oh my God, this guy was 24 and he did that last year. I mean, that's crazy. But ah, I think you just need to look a little deeper and as a top 100 pick, I'm that is not who I want. I saw people taking him top 60. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy the hype that he's getting some places, but just not for me. All right. Number seven on the second baseman list is it <laughs> this position is just filled with young guys that have been around forever, but like Glaber Torres. This is the guy who has been around forever. Yeah. Like Glaber, I thought, you go, you go. Yeah. Well, sorry. I was about to just go on a 
rant that doesn't even matter, but Glaber Torres has been around since the 90s, man. This guy's only, what, 25 years old? Last year, he's 25, and he's been around since 2018, but doesn't it just feel like he's been around forever? Well, he's been in, he started as a prospect in low A at 18 years old and really hit well at 18 years old. He was a huge prospect in the Cubs system, then was traded for a role as Chapman. The Cubs won a World Series because of that. I mean, there's been a lot. He's been in the conversation a ton. But on top of that, he started his career in a fantastic way. He hit 24 home runs as a rookie in 2018. Then he backs that up with a 38 home run season as a 22-year-old in 2019, the juice ball year. And everybody was like proclaiming that this guy would be a future MVP, a future you know perennial all-star. And then he takes a huge step back in 2020, three home runs in 42 games. Um, and then 2021 was even more disappointing. He hit 259, nine home runs in 127 games. The power just completely disappeared. The hard hit rate completely disappeared. He was not hitting the ball in the air anymore. He did have 14 stolen bases in that year, but the power was just completely gone. Last year, Glaber Torres was way down the rankings. But what did he do last year as a 25-year-old? He got back to what Glaber Torres should be doing, right? He increased his fly ball rate, decreased ground ball rate. His hard hit rate increased from 35.7% to 44.5%. In turn, his home run per fly ball rate increased, right? Everything that we wanted to see from Glaber Torres happened last year. And on top of that, he stole 10 bags. He hit 24 home runs last year, hit 257. It was a really, really reliable profile. He only struck out, what was it, 25% of the 22.6% of the time, right? A lot of this to me is sustainable. That's what I look at when I see Glaber Torres. Sustainable at ADP 120. Give it to me, right? Sprinkle of home runs, a sprinkle of stolen bases, a decent average. You know he's going to be right in the middle of the Yankees lineup. There's plenty of production here. It's safe, and it's at a fine price point. This is a guy that I would love to fall back into. I'll take him in a lot of my leagues just because it's a safe, reliable profile with some upside. Highest X and V lows of his career, highest barrel percentage, highest hard hit rate at where he's getting drafted, pretty much echoing what you said, like, he is the guy who, if that's who your second baseman is, like I'm going one, one, two, and then I'm skipping a lot of the guys we've talked about. And Torres, if I land there, great. I'm not going to like reach for him or anything like that, but a reliable player who is going to get plenty of playing time. I thought at points last year, I was a little bit worried about playing time in the beginning because we saw what happened in 2021. And I thought, are they going to have a short leash with him or they're going to be willing to move on or even trade him. But after what he showed last year, you know, he's going to be getting plenty of at bats and I'm actually excited to see what he could do this year. Like he's a player. I'm really going to be watching closely. Agreed, man. He's in the year before his free agency year, right? He still has two years left on his deal. And we were talking about how he's been around forever, but yeah, I agree. Clay, this is going to be all over. All right. We ran through the top seven for the most part. These guys were, you know, pretty healthy. I know Ozzy Albee's coming off that broken foot, but the last three guys on this list are three guys that have a ton of upside. They're each coming off of injury. And for me, there's two out of these three that I'm really targeting. It's Max Muncy at number eight. It's Brandon Lau at number nine and Jorge Polanco coming in at number 10. But we're, we're going to start with Max Muncy, who 
to me, has the most intriguing profile out of the three. So if you remember last year, Max Muncy was coming off of a torn UCL, which he was recovering from, but playing through last year. He played all of last year, but you can play through. It doesn't mean that the power is going to shine through, right? So in the first half of last year, he had a 90 WRC plus. He had nine home runs. He hit just 164, and the power was nowhere to be seen. 155 ISO with a 40.8% hard hit rate, which doesn't sound bad, but this is, a, you know, Max Muncy's a guy that's had a hard hit rate near 50% at times, right? So that was disappointing. He was a waiver wire guy last year where people were dropping him, getting rid of him because he just did not look good at the plate. 164 average is like, that's going to kill your entire team. Then in the second half, he had a 125 WRC plus, 12 home runs, a 230 average, and the power returned. A 221 ISO and a 48.8% hard hit rate is quite honestly insane. This is He's a guy. Been, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me finish. One, one more, one more point, Glenn. This is a guy that had three straight 35 home run seasons, not including 2020, before 2022. Right. This is a guy. Max Muncy should return to the player he was, and he was that player in the second half of last year, and he will be a guy I am also buying at ADP 143. And I agree. I I think that a lot of people are going to think the way that you're thinking and myself as well. Whereas maybe I can wait and get Max Muncy. I, I would not be surprised if he actually goes a little bit earlier in drafts because people saw coming off injury, like the home run production in the past, um, depending on your league, some p- positional flexibility that he had had. And I see him as a player that a lot of people are going to try to target as their second baseman kind of later in the rounds. And someone's going to kind of snipe him a little bit earlier than projected. Because I feel like that's what we're leaning towards, right? Is, oh, maybe I can get him. And maybe if I take him around earlier than somebody else. But I think everyone's going to be thinking that way. Well, the funny thing is, is I did a best ball uh, draft on um, NFC, which is one of the sites where, you know, a lot of fancy fancy baseball experts do their drafts, right? Very early draft for me, but just kind of get a feel for where everybody's going. And in that draft, Glaber Torres went, 23 picks ahead of ADP to me. Max Muncy went 30 picks ahead of ADP. Jorge Polanco went 37 picks above ADP. And Brandon Lau went 41 picks above ADP. So these are high upside guys that when you're in a league with, with you know, in-tune players, they're going to know that these guys are, are being undervalued and to target them early. So that is a great point, Clay. I think with Glaber, with Max Muncy, with Brandon Lau, with Jorge Polanco, you're going to have to get them above ADP if you really like one of these guys. Do you think Max Muncy breaks, bounces back, though? I do. I mean, I, I don't see any reason for him not to, especially when you just look at the um, work that he's done in the past. And you can apply, you know, he had a very serious injury. And once he kind of got comfortable and got in his thing, you know, a lot of that was kind of like his spring training, right? And... He got comfortable. He started playing more towards the player that we've seen. He's always had a good eye at the plate. He's not going to, you don't have to worry about that where it's, he's just free swinging and striking out a bunch and that could potentially hurt you. Like I, I don't see a reason why he won't bounce back. I, I would put a very high percentage on him being back to normal. Yeah. If you're in an, if you're in an on-base percentage league, I mean, he's a yeah. must draft must draft for me. All right, let's move on to Brandon Lau because Brandon Lau is another guy who in 2021 hit 39 home runs, 
had almost 100 runs, almost 100 RBIs, stole seven bags, decent average of 247. But 39 home runs was pretty damn insane from Brandon Lau. And entering his age 27 season, a lot of people had high hopes, as did I. But he was hurt last season. He was dealing with a back injury for most of the season, hit only eight home runs last year. The power was, you know, way, way down last year. Just was a shell of himself, and that's what back injuries can do to people. Um, but now his ADP is at 167. There's a ton of upside in Brandon Lau. If you believe that Brandon Lau comes back healthy, I see no reason why this can't be a good high upside um, draft pick in the middle of your draft, right? If you're looking for somebody with upside, he's the man. Yeah, and you know, like like you said, the power was way down in a smaller sample size, only 266 plate appearances the iso is 162 compared to 277 in 2021 and 285 the year before that in the covid year a lot of power here a lot to like too he walks a lot strikeouts were actually better in that small sample size last year but still probably a 25 26 percent type strikeout rate another player that i think where he's getting drafted seems fine now we're what you were saying we're People are reaching for these second basemen that are injured or bounce back candidates or stuff like that's very real. And he falls into that same category of, I really don't know where he's going to be drafted because I know that people are going to reach for him and, and the, the players we just mentioned. So the draft itself, I don't want people to think they can wait on a lot of these second basemen because they're seeing the same thing that we're seeing. I mean, just to give you an idea, right? If you go on NFC, the website that I told you about before where I did that draft, you can see where all where these guys, this is where I'm getting the ADP data from, but you can see the highest they're being drafted. Brandon Lau has been drafted highest at 76, Jorge Polanco 74, Max Muncie 82. So they're being drafted some places as top 100 players. Now, is their ADP, you know, in the middle of that? Because in some leagues, some people do not like them. Sure. But I think you're right. I think they're more towards being a top 100 value than they are being a top 200 value. All right, let's finish it off here, Clay. We're getting down to Jorge Polanco, who's coming off of a knee injury. Um, he only played 104 games last year. The power was you know, decreased last year. 16 home runs, three stolen bases. He only hit 235. It was a really down year for him after... A 2021 where he hit 33 home runs, stole 11 bags, almost 100 runs, almost 100 RBIs, and hit 270. He was being drafted very, very high last year. But, but everything on the surface looks, or everything down below looks pretty good here, right? A 333 Woba, but a 358 X Woba, right? This is still a very talented player. And if he's healthy, that's the big if because he's still recovering from that knee injury right now. They say he's going to be ready for spring training. But again, I see the upside here. I don't hate taking a guy. I don't I think I think my point is if you don't get Jose Altuve or you don't get Marcus Simeon, wait and take Labor Torres, wait and take Max Muncie, Brandon Lau or Jorge Blanco. I like all of them. That's my point. And yeah, it may sound like this podcast is getting redundant because you can apply the same general principle that we're saying about these last few guys to each one of them. And it's exactly what you just said. His numbers look pretty similar in terms of hard hit rate was actually up from 20 um, from 
yeah, it was 36% in 2021, 38% 2022. Barrel percentage was the same. Um, exit velocity was about the same. Like the numbers are still there that we saw as a great season in 2021. It just didn't all work out for him. The ex- expected batting average was a little bit lower. It's stuff like that. I don't yeah. really see him as a stolen base threat. I know he'll steal some. I don't That's see the that issue, as like right? coming off of a knee injury. I don't know if you yeah. can expect him to bounce back with the steals, but he is cut from that Jose Altuve cloth where he's an extreme pole guy, an extreme fly ball guy. And he'd actually, that's, that's how he's able to hit so many home runs because he doesn't hit the ball super hard, but the balls that he does hit in the area, he, he hits with enough force. Yeah. Overall, he is a, he's just a good second baseman, right? I mean, he's a guy that people are probably going to draft and he'll perform well enough to stay on your roster. Yeah, absolutely, man. So that's the top 10. I think you got kind of the gist. If if you if you didn't get the gist already, it's draft Marcus Simeon, it's draft Jose Altuve, or wait for some of these higher upside guys. And you can always just play the waiver wire with this position as well, right? It's not a position where I want to be stuck, you know, with a guy like Ozzy Albies. I really don't. And there's so many other good players in the top 100 where I don't need to take an Andres Jimenez or necessarily a Tommy Edmond unless you're desperate for steals. But that'll do it. Just Fantasy Baseball. That's the top 10 second baseman. We will catch you next episode. Thank you for listening. Adios. Adios.